Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. So here we go then, seven talking points for my three guests, Stuart Williams, Fran Berry and Jerry McGrath. And Brendan Powell has announced his uh, retirement from the training ranks this week. And Jerry's where you started your, your riding career. Yeah, he, he actually gave my first ever winner, Brendan. Um, he's been a big part of my career, especially starting off. Um, I'd be sad to see him hang up his uh, training boots. But like you said, it's financial pressures, it's tough times. Um, you know, he's based in Lamborn, probably expensive rent, things like that. But... No matter what he does now, I'm sure he'll fit in very well somewhere else. He'd be a big asset to someone, that's for sure. A very popular guy. Yeah, very likeable, you know. Like I said, when I was a young fella, he was great for advice. Um, you know, he took me racing a lot. I stayed in his house when I first came over, and he got me in with Dave Roberts. He was my first agent. That was all through Brendan, you know. So he's, um, he's played a big role in my career. But it does go to show, we've laboured the point already today, it's, it's not an easy game. This is a guy who's trained a lot of winners, 600 yeah, plus winners. Can obviously do the job very well and it just shows you what precarious position that racing's in when a, a, a guy like Brendan can't make it pay. And it's a, a question of fashion as well, Fran, isn't it? If you're going well one minute and people are sending you horses, it's great. If you slightly fall out of fashion, it's amazing how quickly those horses ever weigh. Yeah, it disappear. I, I, I've ridden for Brendan a good bit and uh, his horse was struggling the last couple of years probably with not being the healthiest and, uh, you know, you, he had a dark emerald that carried his team along for two or three years at Dubai and here and when the likes of that horse disappears, if you've nothing to replace him with, it's, it's hard to get going again. But also quite a brave decision because I'd imagine it's one of these jobs that's so addictive that you almost don't want to face it until yeah, you, it's too yeah, late. Until it's too late, exactly. I mean, I really hope that Brendan, he must find something within the industry for him to do. He's so talented a fella. Everybody likes him. He's done massive things throughout his career in riding and training. He'd have so much knowledge to pass on. It'd be an absolute travesty if we lost him to the industry to something else. There we are, Brendan Powell, who has retired from training uh, this week owing to financial pressures. He's been on the show a number of times and we... We wish him all the best. Uh, slightly challenging week for Robbie Dunn, who, after a quite a protracted, lengthy inquiry, has uh, had a little bit more than a slap on the wrist for uh, essentially attempting to uh, fool the clerk of the scales. Now, I, I, I'm far too professional to ask either of you whether this, this goes on, on regularly, but there's always jokes about, about cheating the scales. Um, Jinx will make jockeys think a bit differently, Fran. My biggest problem was coming in heavy after a race. I'd be thirsty and you want to have, have a drink before you go out. You know, that, that was always my worry. Um, reading it up in this during the week, it sounds like a comedy of ours that just uh, spiralled out of control. You know, it, it just, uh, I don't think there's any malice mm. or intent on it, but it just got out of hand and, uh, you know, it just doesn't give a good look to the game. Uh, Jerry, it, weight pressures clearly are pretty significant on, on all these riders on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, what did you make of this story? Um, it's a funny one because if you actually look at it, like I assumed at first when I read the, the case that he was doing 10 stone bottom weight, but the horse carried 11-12. So it's a, it's a funny one. People are kind of thinking that there's this big plot going on, but mm. I think it was just a very big mistake. I think he actually weighed out with a docker underneath the pad and the saddle he was actually riding in, handed the saddle out, and then when the, the lad took the saddle, went to tack up and the docker was there. It was a, just a genuine mistake. Right, like, so, so then they've had to get rid of the bit exactly. of that. Exactly. Like the, the lad didn't know what to do then, so he obviously hasn't put on two saddles. He's put on one saddle and then told Robbie at a later stage. It was just, like I said, just a bit of a mix-up. The valets probably panicked as well. 
Uh, but I do think it's kind of blown out of proportion. Everyone kind of thinks it's this big kind of conspiracy. But it's not. It's, it's not. It's, you know, it was at Chepstow. I think it was soft, heavy ground. I know a half a pound isn't going to make much of it. Any one by two and, two and a half, two and three quarter lengths, you know, it's, it's something nothing really, I think. And just move on from it. So we can just file it in the train marks cock up and gently slide along to the next thing. Exactly, yeah, that's for sure. 15 days is a long time, but, you know, that's just one of those things. OK, so we will move on then and we will talk about... Uh, Lingfield, where uh, this took a long, long time to announce the result of a of a steward's inquiry this week. There were essentially three separate incidents that the stewards were looking into, and in the end, there was a, a revision of the placings for fourth and fifth. But the announcement didn't come come out for ages, Stuart, and uh, the, the people were still thinking it was first and second. There were people paying out, people doing their money on the exchanges. Um, what did you make of this? I, I, I think we definitely need to be clearer. Obviously, the bookmakers want to pay out as soon as possible so the punters can get their money and go and reinvest on the next race. And I, I just think if they could make a decision that, that affects the result and get that out straight away. So get the right result, make a decision, get that out so they can then pay out the punters and move on to the next race. Everything else, I think they can take their time, say maybe we'll come back after the next race and decide or after the meeting... Whatever, just have a so get it right. But I think, you know, to what happened in the week was just confusion. They gave out an amended result, and people on track didn't know whether it was amended the first two, yeah. and eventually it was amended the fourth and fifth or something like that. So it affect, affected the prize money, but didn't affect the betting. And I think anything that doesn't affect the betting can be kept until they've got it right. And then we can tell people later on, look, mm. this happened, there was an inquiry, this is what went on, and this was the result of it. But I think they need to quickly and accurately tell the public and everybody else what happened in the first three, four places, wherever it is you're getting paid out on the, on the betting, and get that done as quickly as possible, mm. and do all the other stuff afterwards. Yeah, it's an unusual set of circumstances, but I think there's probably a lesson to be learnt out of it, as Stuart was saying, that you get the important part of it cleared up first and then move on to the to the rest and then and then clear that up. The air, the ground at air, well, Jerry, this your best place to, to talk about this. There was some water put on the track between Friday and Saturday. Was there enough water put on? Should the track have been a bit more proactive, getting the ground to a, a slightly more good overall nature rather than what uh, emanated as good to firm yeah i think air i think they've had a tough few years really as a race course being like over jumps and on the flat obviously they missed their big meeting last year on the flat as well um it, it was disappointing over the week weekend you know but it's, it's one of those it's that time of the year it's coming it's springtime like i said earlier the bay is so close to the coast the breeze was so strong Um i think they put on five six mil the friday night but like I rode out in the track Saturday morning and you'd have barely known it was put on. You know, there was a strong wind there again Saturday morning. The sun was out. It was a mm. warm day. And I, the, the thing is, the moment too, you know, is how from first to last race, how much the ground was drying out, you know. So they'd have had to be applying water up until the first mm. race, really, to make it very safe. I mean, this isn't for, the first time this is that. I mean, it, it is a bit like that at the Scottish National Meeting when you get a drying week. Yeah, definitely. And um, like I said, it, it just didn't look good yesterday, all the non-runners coming out. I think a good example was you know, Nigel Twiston-Davis had two or three non-runners, and Nigel rarely has non-runners, that's yeah. for sure. 
Yes, normally if they're there with legs and heart intact, they, they will run. I, did exactly. He, did he have a few choice words as well? Or I don't know about that now, to be honest, Nick, but you know, like I said, it's rare that uh, Nigel has done runners. But it was perfect for Verdana Blue. Yeah, exactly, yeah, you know. It suited her down to the ground, which you know you, you can't you can't cater for everyone. The one point I would make, Fran, is that the, the clerk of the course said no one had come and said anything to him, so he didn't change the ground, which was good. But they were breaking track records left, right, and centre. You, you've got to use your you've got to use the data available to you, haven't you? Yeah, very much so. And I think uh, it all depends on the clerk. I'm not, not I don't know the clerk in error, but uh, some clerks have better interaction with the racing professionals, and other people just bury their head in the sand, sand and don't really want to know what what the reality of it is, you know. And if the track records are falling left, right and centre, the ground is probably not good. We need independent assessors of the going. There we are. Independent assessors of the going, called for by Stuart Williams. Uh, let's talk about Kieran Schumark, who has been incredibly candid in his assessment of his own troubles, uh, having um, served part of his ban uh, for testing positive for, for cocaine. Uh, it, takes, it takes something to be quite so open about about this, Fran. I thought the most revealing part of his uh, testimony was when he said that when he got when he got um, busted, essentially, he felt an enormous sense of relief because he could finally face up to it. Yeah, I think it might have just given him that breather to actually take stock and, and have a look at where he was going with his life. And um, Kieran is a really, really nice guy, and um, you know we all know how good a writer he is, but he's actually a genuinely really good, thoughtful fella. And uh, He's obviously had his addiction issues, maybe through wasting, through the pressures of riding, maybe I don't know, but just getting that ban and be able to take a step back from everything at a young age in the long term, I think it might be the best thing that ever happened to him. The other thing that, that struck me was the, that there'd been an exchange of letters between him and him and Roger Charlton, which, uh, which I thought was quite, quite touching. Yeah, it really was. It was good to see. Um, I think, uh, you know, based on that area, Seth and Roger had a very close relationship, not just a trainer and jockey type thing. And it's uh, obviously Jason Watson is there now and things have moved on in the riding end of it. But to see that personal interaction is really good. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think here when he comes back now with knowing, knowing what he, what he, how to control himself and deal with things, he should be a lot better for everyth- everything that's gone on in the past. Is that something you think he can get over, Jerry? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, like Fran said, that that kind of time away and things to reassess and, you know, just to get his head right, which I think is the big thing, is just getting your head right. And like you said, he, he's a very young lad and being a flat jockey, they're just so busy, you know, they're on the road the whole time. And this, that time away will probably do him the world of good. And I see he's riding out in Charlie Hills. Is, mm. I see him there a few mornings a week. So, you know, he's obviously looking to the future already. Yeah, and he had a, he had a tough tough injury as well, punctured lung and fractured six ribs and that was when, when he said addiction really took hold. So Kieran, we wish you well. Look forward to seeing you back and, um, and full marks for, for his candour this week. Now, uh, it's all it's all uh, big love, isn't it now, Stuart, between the BHA and, and, yeah, and the horsemen? Like it. it's, yeah. uh, I, I it's a warm, cuddly That's it. I wasn't actually at the meeting but uh, obviously it's better for everybody if we can, if we can get on and sing from the same hymn sheet and uh, try and promote our industry all round. Mm. It's, it, it's, a, it's a hymn sheet with a lot of parts. It's a sort of eight-part yeah, harmony, sure, isn't yeah. it, that you're yeah. all trying, yeah. to, I mean, trying to sing off? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult balance because the, the BHA are the regulators in between us and the race courses. And then, you know, where we get our funding for the, for the races comes through the levy and then through the media rights that come to the race courses... You know, whether the BHA should be the ones that are negotiating those deals for us, I don't know. You know, I prefer, personally, I think it would be better if we 
the, the horsemen did the deals with the racecourses and then the racecourses went to the bookmakers. I think that would be a better, and the regulators regulated everything. I think that would be a better outcome. But um, and we had, we were going sort of down that direction um, with a previous BHA administration. Um, but when the, um, the previous one to this came in, they decided that wasn't the route they were going to go down. So then we got the tripartite agreement. We ended agreement. up with a tripartite agreement, which is, which is a good thing. Where they've sort of got everybody together. This Nick Rust and Steve Harmon got everybody together doing a tripartite agreement and, you know, hopefully going to try and work it out from there. But I know you, and, and I've spoken to other tra trainers of your ilk who are quite politically engaged on this programme, want to give your fellow trainers a bit of a kick up the backside and say, if you want your slice of the cake then you better get engaged as well rather than then complain yeah, we, when you don't get what you want. We, d we have about 18 trainers come to the new market meeting and there's 85 trainers in the town. They just need to be there. Including presumably some of the more senior ones. Exactly. Right, William Buick got a ban this week. He got a one-day ban for not riding out for, was it sixth place? He cost prize money, but there were no betting implications here, but it's in the rules. You have to push out hands and heels, um, not get stuck into the horse, uh, and he got a one-day ban. Uh, Fran, is there anything wrong with him getting a one-day ban for not riding out for sixth place? Uh, not, not as such for prize money, but um, you have a lot going on a day. You know, William uh, probably had four or five or six rides yesterday, and you're going out, and uh, I think there were seven runners in the race, and uh, you know, our horse hasn't run off scratch, and you're often told by the clerk of the scales that somebody on the way out prize money to sixth, but if you're doing other things or maybe didn't hear it, it's, you're only thinking first four, you know, and uh, perhaps that he just got caught out, but... Once, once you're made aware of it and your horse is intact, you know, you've got to obtain the prize money, but it's one of the lesser things that does spring to mind at times. And is it a reasonable rule, do you think, Jerry? Um, I suppose one of those, it's, you know, there's no betting implications, but you have to write out for prize money. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one, and it's one of those, I just, it's only because Nicky had a horse actually in the race, and I see the horse, he, was, he went off favourite, and he was first time up in trip. You know, so William obviously didn't want to, be too hard on him you know he obviously things didn't go to plan on the day and you know it's, it's a tough one you know but like for the sake of one day was it necessary I don't know but I thought it was harsh enough really. You can understand why the rules in place it's about the application of it. I, from the flat point of view I'm only talking from a flat point of view I instruct all my jockeys to push to the line when they ride for me I, I don't like to see them sit up if the horse is injured pull it up if it's not injured, I've trained it for that race. I've trained it specifically to run, push it to the line. I, I don't see why there's any problem with, you know, I'm not talking about hitting a tired horse or anything like that, but there's, I can't see a problem if your horse is fit and it should be pushed to the line. Just hands and heels. Yeah. There you go. And uh, Mr. Stuart Williams has the last word on the Buick Band in this week's Talking Points. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel, Dubai.